Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you for being in the house of God this morning. We give you thanks for an expression of those that have been washed by the blood of the Lamb who've come together, your church, purchased by your blood, anointed by your spirit, and called by your word. We pray, Father God, that you prosper this word um, from the Bible, that you anoint it, that you use it as a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, that we would be those who change the world transform nations uh, we will be the ones responsible for every tribe nation and tongue that worships before your throne so make us successful in our calling lord allow us to be about your business allow us to attend to your affairs and you take care of ours lord that we might be thoroughly equipped by your word and be prepared to raise up mighty children upon the land um, Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. You fill our houses with wealth, with wisdom, with peace. We pray, Father God, that we might build up uh, families that will be a blessing to all the families in the earth, Lord. That we might be compelled to these matters by the conviction of your spirit. And give us clarity of understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding and allow us to see things as you would have us see them. And that we might be bold and strong and courageous to stand where you tell us to stand and to walk when you tell us to walk, Lord. We pray that we would be the head in these matters and not the tail. We would be blessed going in and going out, Lord. You will go before us and your glory will be our ladder protection, Lord. The evidence and the fruit of our faithfulness to you will be known in the land. So we pray, Father God, that as a sharp double-edged sword pierces our hearts this morning that we might be ready that we might stand firm and that we might have the com the compelling determination in our hearts to make wise decisions uh, in every direction in our lives lord that our lives might reflect the decisions we've made today will bring the glories of tomorrow we pray in jesus name and the house of god says amen and amen we, we are in a generation of great confusion and chaos. The Bible talks about deception. Uh, basically, the false prophets, false teachers will come in the last days and deceive many. And so all manner of cre craziness is happening in our day. Um, the likes of which I, I really have to, and I have, apologized to my children. Sorry about the conditions and how they stand in your generation. Sorry that you have to see uh, people running for government that are transgender. They don't even know they're men or women. They are confused to the core. They, they don't have the capacity to choose. Um, we know that that's one of the major political issues of the day. And they're saying... Uh, pro-choice, but they stop it there. But the choice is life. Choose life. And uh, in that expression, um, for the past 50 years, the highest court in the land has said that it is lawful to, to exterminate and to terminate life in the womb. Uh, 
I, I'm excited about the expression of the fact that that was overturned uh, within the last couple of months uh, in the nation that, that for 50 years was told that that was okay and that that is a woman's choice. Um, that's not without judgment from God. Uh, God will judge the lands. Uh, I don't know how... The, the way I've described it is if God meets out justice like he's done in other generations and he says he does so at the pouring out of innocent blood. And I didn't know what that meant for a long time, but it's definitely the, lo- the, the blood of children. There's nothing more innocent than a baby in the womb. And if that, the past generation is defined by the amount of children who have been killed in the womb without a conscience, um, there's, the Bible says, we're accumulating a great bowl of God's wrath that he has to pour out on the nation um, because of the consequences of their sin. Uh, The Bible says in one place, the blood of your brother Abel cries out for justice. When Cain killed Abel, that, that, that homicide, that murder of that blood was still crying out before God, you have to avenge my death. You have to repay the person that did this to me. So when a nation goes out and kills so many unborn babies, uh, there's great judgment on the land and God is not going to act like that didn't happen. So I've said in the past, and only because as I, in my, you start measuring how much the consequences of actions that don't please God and the retribution of his wrath, I believe every nuclear bomb in America has to go off and disappear America and its citizens from the face of the earth. For God to have, for God to be just, because of the millions upon millions of babies that have been slaughtered. Now I don't understand how we've arrived to a place where a man or a woman could stand behind a political pulpit and platform and say, "I don't care if the baby's nine months old. You have the right to kill him," because I promise you that those people would be stoned to death in previous generations. But they've emboldened themselves to not only come against God, but to do so with the arrogance of saying, uh, Mrs. Vice President, women have the, the predetermination to terminate up to the ninth month. Listen, there's zero fear of God. They're, they're not talking about the consequences of that expression. Okay, so that's not the preaching today. The scenario is that's the climate in which we live, which people are calling bad things good and good things bad. And the only hope, Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, woe. Whatever the Bible says, woe, woo, you, better, you better make sure you're not in this, in this audience. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
They don't celebrate what they should be celebrating, but they are celebrating. And, and, and okay, what more perfect day to ask this to be revealed to us than the day before Halloween, where our city, we, we moved here when I was 13 years old, and there was, there was expressions of darkness, but not like now. Now, now everybody's getting inflatables. Now people, you know, Dracula's, they're celebrating, I, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing graves in my, in my neighborhood. They, they actually go out and make their house a cemetery. And they have like devils coming out and skeletons and, and all this stuff. Um, woe to you who have a mismeasure to call darkness, it says it there too, who put darkness for light. Let's celebrate. Uh, my wife was telling me this morning that Franklin Graham's daughter says that Halloween is a great time to open the door to your neighbors. That's a twisted mindset because they're celebrating a pagan the- uh, feast and, and an ungodly expression of, to, of the peoples. So when you put darkness for light and light for darkness, um, who put bitter things as sweet and sweet things for bitter, the, the only consequence here is an expression that is not favorable, not favorable. Because if that death that we're celebrating decides to come into our house, and last year uh, I did three, I was called to three funerals of the same family back to back three weeks in a row. And they said, is there a curse on our family? Why, why are people continue to die? Um, and the action was when I went to the last place where it was a 19-year-old boy who was coming back from work, his two uncles had died before, and now he's coming back for, from work at 19 years old. You think, oh, you've got to be old to die. No, you've you got to sin to die. The wages of sin is death. And so he's coming back from work, and he dies there behind the steering wheel. And then I go to the house. They call me to the house the third time around. I buried the, the man first. Then I buried his brother-in-law and then the nephew. And they're like, what the heck is going on with our family? I, I go into this house, and they have all manner of expressions of the New Age, witchcraft, Buddha, yoga, and surrounded by darkness. So if we're going to live in the light, let's put away darkness from us. And a lot of people, you know, we, 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 were, we were celebrating Halloween my entire life. As far back as I can remember, our family celebrated, and it was a time where we picked disguises and costumes and we went out and picked up candy and all that stuff. But when the light came in, everything that was darkness got out. Get that stuff out of here because we're not going to celebrate things that are evil. Uh, Pastor Richie did a phenomenal message last week. Uh, He called it the devil's birthday. Are you invited to the devil's birthday? And so uh, look it up online and and watch that preaching because it's powerful as, as he's concerned. Uh, about the condition of families that are playing around with these things. Um, okay, so that's not the preaching either, but, but, but it's good. And, and you see, I didn't even get one amen. That's fine. No, no, you can't say amen after I say it. You have to say it when you hear it. A lot of people are like, we're just like listening, so we don't want to interrupt you. Um, What we're calling this message is decisions today determines tomorrow's reality. And we're living in a time where we have made awful decisions. 
horrendous. And, and you figure out what the heck made me not make the right decision yesterday. Why, why did I not choose what would affect my tomorrow? Uh, you, this is like when you're watching these, these um, theater, the movie theater uh, coming attractions, coming to a theater near you. So if you don't have a proper vision for choosing those things that are fastly approaching, um, this is it. When, when my boys were one, two, and three, Christina wasn't even around. She's already 22. But when the boys were one, two, and three, the Holy Spirit interrupted me. In one of the days, I was coming back from court as a lawyer. And he says, look into that room where those three little boys are. One, two, and three. And I was like, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, we need to be spirit-led people. Spirit-led. Be, be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. And, and I leaned over into their room. I walked in. I said, Lord, what are you trying? My attention is attracted here. What are you trying to tell me? And he said these words. Those that you see that are children are my servants. They're my preachers. They're my prophets to the nations. Respect them. I was like, come on. Who the heck is this little crumb snatchers like Wellington Boone says, you know. These guys running around in their underoos, you know, playing like jumping off walls and jumping. What do you mean, my servants? Well, if you don't see today and make decisions today, listen, in a short, brief blink of an eye, that's who they have become. I didn't wait till they became it to begin to treat them in that fashion. But the, the Holy Spirit pressed upon me hard to that they were to be stewarded. They were to be um, taken care of to, per, to fulfill the purpose for which God sent them upon the earth. And I was a conduit and I was super, super tuned to that reality. And those were the decisions me and my wife made way back when. Today, one of the greatest expressions of our life as it stands. Uh, there are many joys, um, but one of the greatest profound sentiments is having raised children to be arrows in the hand of the mighty. On Wednesday night, I talked about a girl they call me from another nation and they say, my daughter's 24 years old. She's suicidal. She's drug addict. She's at a rehab center. What do I do? And I said, you should have taught her how to be a worshiper. Well, why didn't you teach her as a little girl to grow up and, and be accountable to God to, to have a heart? That's sensitively impressed towards the things of God by your example. But now that time has passed and now you have a 24-year-old who's in a rehab, who's bipolar, has her thoughts twisted, who has no expression of peace. And you want to find a natural response to what is a spiritual condition. So there it is. Um, Joel 3.14, multitudes of people in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near, 
in that valley. The, the valley of decision is what, how am I going to address every situation that comes to my life from here on out? Because I'll tell you what they've taught us to push it off. Don't decide. Don't worry about it. Let, let things just happen. Um, we'll see. Uh, everything is a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. No, listen to me. A decision is for purposes of what you are going to get. You make purposeful decisions in a direction governed by God's word. Because if you read the word of God and do not slice the pie where the Bible says to slice it, you're deceiving yourself. A lot of people think that because they know something in their brain, they're actually doing it. No, the fact that you know it doesn't mean you've done it. And the devil knows the whole Bible and does none of it. So you don't want to be a perfect devil. You want to say, Lord, I need the clarity and the, the courage necessary to make the decisions I need to make now. Amen. Not tomorrow, not next week. Josh McDowell says like this, and he's a great Bible teacher. He's written many books. He had this whole phase where he was teaching on virginity uh, for the youth. And he says, I've come, my research has determined that only the youth that decided to be virgins in the marital covenant are the ones that are. If you don't make a decision, I'm going to be a virgin. Then when the opportunity comes, whether you should have sex or not, that's not the time to decide. His research has developed and he teaches all over the place. Decide now. At age 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever it is. Decide for your virginity and purity ahead of time. So that when somebody tries to compromise that, you say, no sir, I've made a decision. In this generation you have to say, no ma'am, I've made a decision. I'm not going to have intimacy outside of my marriage relationship with the one God has for me. I don't want to postpone this. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, uh, a lot of young people that are single and advanced in age, they says, why, why haven't I found the person that I could marry and have a relationship? I said, because you had sex with them before you married them. If you would have stopped right there and says, no, sir, we need to put things in order, then we will have intimacy. You would have had your marriage partner. But you walked into a decision or an indecision that led you to compromise, and that person probably felt super out of place because sin doesn't is not delightful. It, it brings a lot of adversity to it. So I, I tell the older people, stop having sex with people that come into your life because that will precipitate the order of formality of marriage. And if you are engaging in intimacy before you get married, marriage will unlikely never come. Genesis 19.26, we have this woman here described as Lot, and Lot's wife, um, Lot's wife has her eyes behind her. And this also, an indecision in a moment of decision that compromises her success and prosperity. 
As, as the agenda of God was to remove them from a city of judgment, she was intertwined. And so she delayed and she perished. So you don't want, and I think it's healthy for you to make quick decisions because delayed decisions are indecision. When you don't make a decision, you have made your decision. And that, that becomes horrible in the plight of multitudes. That they're, they're, they're caused to waver in the direction where they perish outside of a decision. So, so powerful it is for us to hear from God and move in the direction of His Word immediately. Uh, preferably without questioning or asking God why. I just trust God is pressing upon you to move in that direction. First uh, Kings eighteen twenty one. Elijah has to stand before the people and ask them this question: How long? That's a time frame. Will you falter between two opinions? You know the famous song: Should I stay or should I go now? If I stay, there will be trouble. If you go, there will be the watch. The scenario is this, Lord, I need to make a decision today because it's a matter of what the expression will be tomorrow. Um, when I had this conversation with my oldest son, Nick, he was 13 years old. Uh, I had come home um, after work or in the afternoon sometime, and I saw them watching um, something on television. And, and I, I said, listen to me, I've spent 13 years of your life kicking the devil out of our home. And you come in here and you put in a program and you're letting him in our home. If we're trying to get darkness out and you're 13 and, and giving him a place to be here, uh, I have a question. What is your motive? And he says, Dad, you made a decision to be a Christian and a man of God and to follow the Lord, but I haven't. He was being super honest. He says, that was your decision, not mine. I said, okay, now it's time for you to understand that your indecision is going to open you up to a lot of scenarios. And I began to describe to him an onslaught of undeciders and the consequences of holding out in a decision to be radical for God. And, and the fruit of that, you know, it was a... It was a time of intense fellowship between him and I. He, he came out and preached his first sermon called The Decision. So at the young, frail age of 13, he already knew how to say, as for me, from now on, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be on his side. And, and these matters need how, how ugly it is for a son to be raised up by a father that is still straddling the fence. Still hasn't sought the Lord, doesn't know the word of God, doesn't fellowship, doesn't worship properly. It makes for a crisis in the home uh, horrible. The, the other thing is, um, Joshua's favorite verse, my second son's favorite verse is, it says like this, as long as I'm on the earth, I am the light of the world. I don't know what everybody else is going to do. I don't know what's going to be the 50 shades of gray of other people. But as long as I'm in the earth, I'm going to be the light. 
And then that, that dispels every other opportunity he has to walk in another expression. So he could walk into the University of Miami, into law school. Everybody is in debauchery. Everybody's in, in rebellion and just going crazy because they can. And Joshua's like, no, I made a decision. I'm going to be light in the world as long as I'm in the world. And all his friends are like, you know, how do you do that? I want to be like you. I want to be able to stand strong and I can't. I, I, I have to go with the, the multitude. Because in his heart, in their hearts, they have crossed over into a decision. We need to be those type of people. We see him say there in 1 Kings 18.21, How long will you continue to limp, to falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then line up with God and do it His way. If Baal, if you think that there's something that deserves greater priority than God... Go, go give yourself entirely to those things to see what the promise is. But the people, you know, they, they, he asked them to make a decision. What did they do? But the people answered him not a word. They're like, they're paralyzed. Unable to commit one way or the other. They're in that valley of indecision. At Joshua 24, we see Joshua in verse 15. He says the words, if it is acceptable in your sight, if, if you know it to be good in, in your understanding to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who is going to have your devotion. Who's going to have uh, worship, the weight of your inclination? Who's going to have the overwhelming say of the directions you go? Whether the God's which your father served, where they kept their attention and their time and their focus and their resources, or when they were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, your friends, the gods of your father, the gods of your neighbors, the gods of your co-workers, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, you know where our time is, you know where our attention is, you know where our resources are, you know... There's, there's no doubt that we have bowed down to worship the one true God. Me and my house will serve the Lord. He, he will dictate the priorities of the importance. When, when that's all over the place, um, I don't know if you guys like the word fuddy-duddy, but, but it's an ugly existence that we're not defined by anything and we move with everyone and, and we're postponing the inevitable. And... I've often said that there's multitudes of peoples waiting to see the expression of your devotion to follow your example. I, be, I told the men here at the church, behind each one of the men, there's 100,000 men waiting to follow and imitate your course of conduct and your words and your boldness in this world as light and, and not be the expressions of darkness chaos and ruin, uh, like was said last night with Nick, a expression without form and without order. So here we have so many examples, and, and, and we said this a while ago, at a minimum, there's 10 decisions that every man must make. 10 decisions. 
You, you cannot live life without these decisions in mind because they will, they will lead you wayward and you will fail to fulfill the purpose of God upon the earth. Every child placed in the womb was inscribed with, by God with a purpose upon the earth to fill the earth with God's glory, with significance. And the devil wants to diffuse that, thus abortion is the quickest way to destroy filling the earth with glory because you terminate life in the womb. It's become, and we've defined it before, the most dangerous place to be upon the planet earth is in a female womb. That's where the largest numbers of death occurs across the board. God intended that no man should meddle with that, that life being formed in purpose. God designed it. God has incredible purpose. Um, so the, the decisions that, that we make, and I, I want to say that every day, I don't know if you woke up this morning. One of the things that, that stresses me out, my wife says, what do you want to have for breakfast? I'm like, cereal, no fruit, uh, oatmeal, cream of wheat, pancake house. This is like stressful. Some countries, they have to get up and eat what there is, period. It's not like what is there to eat, but, but here's what you're going to eat. Um, so even from that point forward, and then some of us, and you know, and I know, and, and it's sad, but some guys don't know what to wear, so their wife has to pick out their clothes. That doesn't go with that. Um, you, you, would, you would expect, I'm not going to go there, okay. Simple decisions in life become so problematic. Our wives need to tell us what to wear and, and when to wear it and how to wear it. Okay, that's not an issue. Um, we make from 600 to 35,000 decisions per day, depending on who you are and where you work and what you do, what your family is. These decisions are constant. Uh, you guys know, because it's the nature of our service to the people's people calling us all the time. What, what, what's, the, what's the right decision? And, and that's, that, that is worthy because decisions are a matter of life and death. A wrong decision could, could take a long time to pay for and the consequences of which. Um, but God has designed everything so that we might... Look forward to every decision with the expectation of great reward. Many of those decisions in my life in the earlier days uh, were my dad. Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to do it. And the counsel of honoring him has caused me to make incredible decisions. How about all those people that don't listen to their dad? Yesterday I was talking to a 13-year-old and I said, How would you like a 13-year-old to run the United States? He's like, how would you like him to uh, run a company? No. No one in their right mind would allow a 13-year-old to run anything that was a part of their life. And I said, and you're 13 and you're running your own life. You made yourself the top decision maker in your life. And it's going gonna, gonna to reflect that a 13-year-old made those decisions and not a father. 
a father who loves, a father who's there, a father who's going to ensure to empower you with prosperity. That's a father's heart to make sure that everything goes well. So in that regards, as we begin to talk about the decisions we make today are going to culminate in our realities of tomorrow. So anyone who's going to move in this direction, we said before, and we said this to the men on a Monday night, the first and foremost important decision a man will make upon the earth is whether he's going to worship God or not. So if you're playing around with that, you're going to have expressions of an existence. And I was talking to this guy that owns a jewelry store here in Miami. And I said, listen, you're, you're in the jewelry business and you could have any piece of jewelry and you're prosperous. And you, why don't you get a $300,000 watch? Because he's, he's in the industry and that's what he does. I said, why, why don't you do that? And this is, he is, he's not a Christian. He says, because that is just vanity. I'm like, I'm the preacher, not you. You're coming up with a good... He says, that, that has no bearing and significance. That's just vain. I was like, man, that's wisdom of a man in that endeavor. But if you worship God, he gives you the true values of everything. He allows you to enjoy good things. He allows you to prosper and advance. But he doesn't allow you to be caught up, lopsided, in the wrong direction, in the wrong determinations at the wrong time. So many men regret not having done what they should have done in their earlier years. And in their latter years, they sulk and live in great sorrow and despair because they would have, they should have, and they could have. But they didn't make a decision on time. They didn't choose what was highest in priority. So your worship of God will give you those values. God will line you up to the expression. To believe in God and in His Son Jesus Christ. To go to heaven. But man's biggest problem is missing the mark. Not worshiping God and not giving God His best. This destroys your life. Biology calls it primitive instinct of humankind. Philosophy calls it irrational thinking. Psychology calls it emotional weakness. Sociology calls it cultural lag. History calls it a struggle amongst classes. Humanity calls it, calls it human flaw. But the Bible calls it sin. You're, you're, not, you're not all over the place just because. You're all over the place because sin has a grip on your priorities in your worship. So becoming a Christian, the greatest decision, and becoming an authentic Christian. Because everybody nowadays calls themselves Christians. But to become a, a, a legitimate, genuine follower of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, not the imposed expressions of appearance of religiosity, you have a relationship with God. If you have a relationship with God, you're going to fall prostrate and you're going to not stand up until God answers you. God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me like Jacob did. I need your answer for this situation. I, I, I can't afford any more expressions of my 
indiscretions and desire for lust, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. I, I can't go on living like that, Lord. I, I want to be a true expression of who you are. Once you made your decision to be a worshiper, the next decision is that the word of God is going to be a lamp unto your feet. The word of God is going to be your go-to. When Jesus was confronted by Satan, um, tempted at levels of his arch rival, and he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. The three times he's challenged by the devil to be stripped of God's glory, the Lord defends himself by what's written in the word of God. That's why Wednesday night becomes so important. Unless you've memorized the Bible and you know all the mysteries and all the principles, then stay home. But if you're starving for coming to the place where you're the expression of his glory to your family and to your kids. And I want to say this. I want to go on record saying this. that The Bible says the woman is the glory of man. She becomes the vested expression of your wisdom. And if you're not making wise decisions, she looks like crap. She, she, demacrada, her face becomes contorted and distorted. And, and, and no help with Botox or, or plastic surgery or any of that stuff. Um, sadness has befallen her countenance because you, as a man, refuse to worship God and set up his priorities according to his word. Uh, many times in my family with Yvette and the kids, they're like, we want to do this. Mom, what do you think? I go, hey, stop. We're going to do what God says. We know that everybody's pulling, but I need to lead this family in the direction. The Lord knows what we ought to do when we ought to do it. I know you all want. And then Christina's in the back seat. I said, be quiet, Christina. You were the last one to get here. She always wanted to say where we were going to do and what we are going to do. No. You're the last one that got here, honey. you got to slow down. First we're going to ask Dad, then Mom, then Nick, then Josh, then Brandon. Then maybe, if we haven't figured it out, we're going to ask you. But that was determined by the Lord also. But the issue is we would always say, I understand you're pulling in many directions. And I also have thoughts of my own and want to go in direction. But I'm going to seek the counsel of the Lord. I don't know where these people come with to not seek the counsel of the Lord. Ask no one. And they call me and say, Pastor, this is what I'm going to do. And then I say, God bless you. You're not asking. You're telling me what you're going to do. I think what you're doing is stupid. I think you're going to find out probably two years down the road. It would be good if you had a telegraph today. So that you don't have to wander in the desert 40 years for a trip that takes nine days. But worshiping God, and I'm not going to get into the particularities, but I'll just put it there on your plate. Uh, making the Bible your roadmap for directions and principles. Jeremiah 10.23 says it like this. The way of a man is not found within himself. The way a man should walk is not determined by what he decides of his own. So if you decide for your own, you miss God. It is not of a man who walks to direct his own steps. God did not rig us like that. 
On purpose, he set people around us with wisdom and counsel, and he's told us to seek the counsel of the Lord. I'm in love. Everybody's stopping me from being in love. You're a fool. And you're going to wear a garment of shame because it's not of a man with my heart. You don't know my heart. Yes, I know your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells me your heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who could know the heart of man? You don't want to live your life based on what you feel, what you want. Because you're going to fall in all manner of deceptive and destructive ways. Lord, if you haven't made it man to determine the direction of his own steps, that I might be surrounded, Proverbs 13, 20, by wise men. So as I am surrounded by wise men, I become wiser. But the companion who surrounds himself with fools will be destroyed. That's the majority of men today. If they read Psalm 1-1, they would be blessed because it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't surround himself by fools. He's surrounded by those who have devotion to great God and king who gives wisdom to those who ask. He does not stand in the path of sinners. He does not sit amongst the scornful, the mockers, the ones who despise God and despise his word. He says there in Isaiah 8.20, By the law and the testimony, if a man speaks not according to thy word, it's because there's no light in him. If the word of God, this is, this is what people always have issue with me, all you say is God says and God says and God says. I go, what do you say? How do you live your life? In a TV program, they said, oh, Dr. Molina, all you talk about is what God says. Don't you have anything to say? I said, nope. Where God speaks, I shut up. And where I'm not supposed to be talking, I want to hear God speak, so I shut up. I want to hear what God says. I want to hear his direction, his light, his wisdom, his understanding for my life. Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man who finds this life, who gains understanding and proceeds... Because if he walks according to wisdom, his profits are better than silver and gold. The proceeds, the profits of wisdom are better than any decision made in the flesh. I have friends that make a lot of business decisions. I told my own accountant uh, years ago, he says, hey, let me ask you a question. Why haven't you ever followed my advice? I said, because I have better advice. It's in the word of God. That if I tithe what is God's and I offer, that God will cause it to pour while I won't have enough room. Years later, he would go in bankruptcy. And all the people he had given advice to were seeking his life and he was wanting to commit suicide. He entered into great depressions. Then five years go by and he calls me and he asked me the same question. He says, why don't you follow my advice? I said, well, I've known you for 25 years and I'm doing a lot better than you are not having followed your advice. I think you should follow my advice. How to steward according to the word of God. How to manage my wealth and my finances that's better to give than to receive. And so if you follow the word of God, Psalm 19.7 says the word of God is perfect. It refreshes the soul. It doesn't add worries and anxiety. 
The statutes of the Lord are perfect. Converting the soul, the testament of the Lord is sure, making one wise when you're simple. Verse 8, the precepts are right, rejoicing the heart, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, bringing light to the eyes so you not stumble. There's no other book upon the face of the earth greater than the word of God for us to place our meditation in. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, if it is your meditation day and night, you shall be like a tree planted next to the waters who brings forth fruit in season. Leaf will not wither. Everything, whatever he does shall prosper. The result will be prosperity on every side. Not only financial, familiar, emotional, spiritual, social. All these things will prosper once you line up to the word of God. Joshua 1.8, when Moses died, he says, just make sure one thing, that you follow all the words of the book of the law so they do not depart from your mouth. And you shall meditate in the law day and night that you might observe according to all that is written there. For then you will make your way prosperous. The word prosperous in the Hebrew context was not a large bank account. It was peace. Shalom. You might not have millions in the bank account, but your wife loves you to death. And your children honor you. And the peace surpasses all understanding. You will make your way to prosper. And then you will have great success. You will have made decisions at the right time in the right season. So your feet do not slip. So that you do not fall. So the psalmist 119 verse 11. He says, I have placed your word in my heart so that I not sin and fail you, O God. That I not fall short. The third decision we need to make in our lives is to partner with the Holy Spirit. There's no greater counselor that has been left for us, comforter. He will lead us in the way we should go. He will teach us about right decisions, wrong decisions, how to fix bad decisions, the difference between bad and good. He's going to bear witness. He's going to tell you to deny yourself. He's going to tell you not to walk in pride. He's going to tell you to put to death everything that's upon the earth that's twisted and undesirable to God. Decision number four is you're not going to live life according to your desire. And this is what I was talking to George Carrigal yesterday. I said, listen to me, at the moment that is spectacular, Jesus is 33 years old and he kneels down in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is struggling. Should I do what God says or should I not? Father, pass this cup. I, what I see you want me to do tomorrow is not what I want. Pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done and not mine. That could, that, that could only be a fruit of the Holy Spirit to deny yourself. Self-control. Self-denial. Say no to you. Say no to you. A thousand times, not what you want, what God wants. And it caused all the capillaries in his face to, to burst with great weight of, of craziness to not do what you want. There's a strong pull of our inner nature to do our own will and to deny it. This is, this is where Nick comes along again as he's about to get married and he's 26 years old. And he says, I have spent 26 years of my life not doing what I want. And I'm living a dream. 
as I did not pursue the desires within me and I pursued God's desires, my life has become a true expression of glory upon the earth. So you can only live this life of worship of God, of letting the Word of God be your lamp, of partnering with the Holy Spirit, of denying self, when you keep yourself in great company. The decision of whose company will you keep will determine the direction you go. And so we know the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 15.33, let's not be deceived because the evil company eventually corrupts your heart. We have young people here that have been raised for all their lives with their parents that are God-fearing. They get around three idiots and they start thinking like the idiots. And they tell the doctor, I want to be my own man. Yeah, but you look like those other idiots. You're thinking like them and your priorities show it. Evil company corrupts good character. Don't be deceived. I always tell a man, tell me your five best friends. Usually the man will be embarrassed to tell me who he keeps company with. So he says, no one. And I said, see, you're a selfish pig. Because I'm going to get them either way. The company they keep is crooked. Their character is crooked. Their priorities are crooked. Their, their time frame, their calendar shows that they're not keeping company. Uh, David says, those who are my companions are those who fear God. The beginning of wisdom. But if you surround yourself with inappropriate company, you will not aspire to much. Psalm 119.63, I'm a friend to anyone who fears you, God, anyone who obeys your commandments. I'm a friend to those who fear you, who keep, who revere you, who honor you, who give you the greatest expression of deference. All who keep your precepts will be my companions. I'm not going to be surrounded by fools lest I become one. Sixth decision in life for God's people is to honor family. When you don't honor family, you don't prosper in any direction. Psalm 68, verse 6, the person who is individual, God places him in family to prosper him. But the rebellious will not be fruitful because they resist family. And, and again, we're living in a time where these people that roam the streets, they call them homeless but when we were in Oregon doing a men's conference, the Lord says, do me a favor, change the definition of these people who roam about like nomads sleeping in sidewalks. They're not homeless people. They are family-less. They've decided to dishonor their parents and not habitate and dwell in family because God's plan for the earth is that in family you prosper and a house divided will not prosper. When you go against family, you're bound to poverty. So God put us in the greatest family of all called the church. And in the church, we have fathers. We have older men who deserve, the Bible says, double honor. Deference, obedience, submission. But the rebellious are headed to a desert wilderness. Be cut off in the moment. Uh, Proverbs 17, 13 says, He who curses his own family, that will return upon him. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. How is it that you 
do not promote family, that's almost like a foundational flaw that corrupts your family in the day of tomorrow. If you do not celebrate family, your family will not be celebrated. This issue of family is so important in the last days. We have a huge expression of fatherless children. Children who rebel against their parents and walk in a direction that's inappropriate. The uh, Decision number seven is livelihood, where you're going to work. Work produces glory. Work produces fruitfulness. He who sows the wind does nothing will reap the whirlwind, chaos, and confusion. I, I, I was worried, silly, before I met Yvette. I said, I need to be a source of income and, and wholesome revenue so that I could provide for my own. I need to be connected to God in a manner that brings glory to Him. A lot of people say, Pastor, why am I poor? Because you do not use the four-letter word enough. You need to W-O-R-K. Since you don't work, the Bible says you won't eat either. So young ladies, if a guy is not gainfully employed, if you get married to him, get ready to make a vow of poverty. Get ready to suffer. Get ready to, to see the destitute expressions of lack in your cupboards. And then when your kids are dying and they're starving to death and you, they say, Mom, um, how come you married this guy? Because he used to have incredible hair. Bald now. No, make sure that a man is responsible with his time and with his talents so he produces treasure. He who provideth not for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. In all labor, Proverbs 14, 23, there is profit. But those who have idle chatter lead only to poverty. This is translated in Spanish, El cuentista se muere de hambre. The guy who's just a lot of talk and no action has the frailty of great poverty and, poverty and no provision. Um, this, this, this be it, decision number eight, who you marry, is, is incidental. Uh, and, and so we're not going to get a lot into that. Otherwise, um, make sure that you marry character and not personality. Make sure that you see uh, the manner in which a man worships there is promise there in how he worships and how he's faithful to his God. He will be faithful to you. The same thing with a woman. My standard was I needed a woman who loved Jesus Christ more than I did. I needed a woman whose devotion to Christ was greater than her devotion to me. Because that there would be promise in that. And I thank God that that is a reality in my life. Ecclesiastes 7.26, more bitter than death is a man who falls in love with the wrong woman. You're going to regret it the rest of your life. And there's some men here that should be shouting amen. <laughs> Decision number nine, how you steward your finances. If you have not let your worship lead how you steward your finances, you have no promise. But the Bible says really clearly 
that if you give, it shall be given to you. If you bring your possessions before God and are accountable to them, the Bible says there's great promise in a cheerful giver whose generosity and seed will promise a harvest that is ample and abundant. And the Lord wants us to be prosperous, not to have, but to be able to give. To be known as most generous in our circle of friends because God, us being faithful in stewardship and management, uh, is going to open greater wealth of faithfulness and expressions of giving. You're faithful in the small, God will put you in greater expressions of that. And then finally, a decision to honor those in authority. Give a place to those people God has set in our lives to have weight in our decision making. When you allow your decisions to line up with the worship, with the word of God, and when those surrounded to steward your life, there is promise. If you defy all these things, it's going to be all over you in an expression of tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow is right around the corner, and you will see that a lot of your decisions that you did not make today will haunt you for the rest of your life. Get away from ungodly relationships, or you'll regret it. Get away from those who do not celebrate your Lord. Make sure that you've made a decision to love everyone at all times. That you're, you would be the expression of, of being Christ in every situation. Allowing the Spirit of the Lord to lead you in time, in place, in expressions. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for a word of God. And only your Spirit could lead us to make decisions like Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As uh, Abraham was able, Father God, to follow you. And to move in a direction that was was determinative when he entered into strife with Lot. He said, look, we can't walk anymore. There's too much strife. You go your way, I'll go mine. I'm not going to keep company with strife. I'm not going to be in relationships that are not fruitful and prosperous. I need to get on the same page with my wife, me and my wife against the world. We are one. God has made us one. I'll make no decision in which my wife does not affirm the direction and the counsel I've heard from the Lord. I want to bless my children by, by putting all these decisions in life. Because tomorrow they will say, Dad would have. And then they walk in the footprints that's before them. The confidence of a child seeing his father prosper is if I follow my father's example, I will too share in my father's rewards. I will worship the God of my father's. But many children are walking away from the house of worship because their father has lame worship. He has other idols that are more important, more profound, more weighty, that consume his time, attention, and resources greater than the house of God. Father, the days are coming and they are dark and evil. And there's desperate times. We fall, but we pray that we make decisions today that will determine where we are tomorrow, Lord. As we choose the fear of God, as we choose the kingdom of God, as we choose the word of God, we pray that what your word says is true. When the winds blow and the floods rise, 
and the rains fall, the house will stand. Move us away from indecision, from confusion, from fear of man, the fear of the unknown. Let us have strong confidence that when we worship you and we decide what you have decided, heaven and earth will pass away. But your word by no means will pass away. They, they, your words will not expire and be rendered unfaithful in the future, Lord. We pray that your glory fill this house and that the decisions we make today reflect on tomorrow's harvest. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.